0: and salutations everybody and welcome to the 80th episode of the promenade merchants podcast we are a completely independent star trek podcast where we talk about this wonderful franchise that has been around for almost six decades i'm david majors and i am joined by my fantastic co-host heather kirby what is up heather
1: what is up david uh you know we're here to talk about some star trek and i it's one of those things you can always find things to talk about as the star trek universe is so big and so we dug down deep and we found some things to talk about and we brought on a special guest because it's episode 80.
0: we did now regular listeners of the show probably know that Every five episodes, we like to bring on a guest. And with episode 80, five times 80, that's 17. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm getting old. I can't do math anymore. I can't
1: do math. It's too late at night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but our guest this episode uh, is someone who, I, I'm just going to be completely honest, I'm their biggest fan. Uh, please welcome to the Promenade Merchants podcast, Jacques Noel Manuel. Jacques Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm very flattered. This is so fun.
0: It it really is. And uh, I I think we're all going to have a good time talking Star Trek and just about anything else. Yeah. So for new listeners, first of all, hi, I'm David. That's Heather. We talk about Star Trek and then sometimes we'll devolve into wrestling or law and order or sports and other stuff but it's it's mainly star trek this is more or less a star trek podcast and we have sort of a three act format where we start with old business which as will wheaton would say is legacy star trek which i like to say is everything from the cage all the way up to and including the kelvin movies then we'll jump into new business where we'll talk about things happening in star trek in the here and now even though there isn't any star trek airing at the moment that's brand new uh but we'll we'll make it work we will make it work and upcoming business where we look a little bit further ahead and where we talk about star trek beyond pun always intended let's jump into old business now the world is already aware that star trek discovery will be entering its fifth and final season later this year coming in the spring and it got me thinking, Heather, and we'll throw this around about Star Trek series finales. Uh, we always hear a lot of conversation about first episodes or favorite episodes, but I, I don't see a lot of talk about finales. Uh, and I wanted to ask you and, and any of our listeners out there at Prom Check Pod, uh, at Call Me DJM, uh, at NerdyGal33, uh, Heather, tell me. What is your favorite legacy Star Trek series finale?
1: Okay. So I have two answers for this. One is my personal favorite. And then one is what I believe is actually the best series finale, but it doesn't come as my personal favorite because there's too many emotions. (laughs) Um, so, my personal favorite is actually... I am a huge supporter of the Voyager series finale Endgame. Mm. I loved it. I understand the argument where people think they want to see... Uh, how they acclimated to being back in Earth... And being back in the Alpha Quadrant, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I don't feel like Voyager really needed that. I mean, the main plot line of Voyager is... They got stuck in the delta quadrant like over 70 years away from home and the main plot of the series is how they get back home so ultimately the finale solved that and they got back home i don't need to see any more than that because i feel like if you go through and see more than that it's just gonna i don't know it, it it left it in a good spot in which we came to a resolution, they got back home, and I was very happy with that. So, frankly, that is my personal favorite out of all the, the series finales. Now, the one that I think is done the best, but it makes me cry a little too much, and that is the Deep Space Nine finale, What We Leave Behind. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> because it's incredibly sad and it's like everyone is going apart in their own ways and you very much have a sense of yes this story is ending um but still every everyone is moving on and and that's a good thing but at the same time it's incredibly sad especially what happens with cisco and uh Odo separating from Kira and going back to the the the, the Great Link and everything, um, so it just makes me cry a little too much for that to be my my favorite. <laughs> but it's incredibly well done, and it's a perfect series finale.
2: That final shot they have of, I think it's Kira and Jake standing and watching the wormhole as well is just really yes. like it's such a good bookend to like the beginning of the series with Jake being so apprehensive. Absolutely, yeah. Like, yeah, it's just really super, super well done.
0: I am 99% with you on Voyager Endgame. 99%. And the reason I, I hold that 1% is because while I loved that the episode ended with Janeway saying, set a course for a home the same way the caretaker ended Yeah, and i loved how that kind of began the journey and ended it for me it was almost a perfect ending but i would have really liked to have seen them on earth or at least meet starfleet face to face i felt like it was almost there it was so very close yeah
1: that's
0: fair and that's kind of why i put what we leave behind ahead of it for me personally because what we leave behind felt so complete and it wrapped up so much and ds9 had so many different arcs and that whole season of ds9 uh, really came to a strong conclusion and wrapped up everything uh, as well as it could. Uh, I think for me, that puts it over Voyager Endgame, which I loved. I absolutely loved the action. I loved future Janeway coming back to the past. I loved seeing the future. I loved everything about that episode, except for the very, very, very last scene. That's why I say, 99 percent. i'm with you on that one but uh, for me it's it's what we love what we leave behind fair enough uh jacques uh what was your favorite uh Trek your, series finale
2: um not to be boring but i think we're gonna have sort of a a consensus view of what we leave behind um that's okay. I, uh, the, the, I mean, this is why we're named after DS Nine. That's okay. We, we did, we <laughs> did might be some name bias the podcast. There, right? yeah, yeah, just, just, just a little bit. Um, I think, I think the the sort of there's like the three episode suite that is what we leave behind, parts one and two, and then there's like the Dogs of War, which is just before it, and starting from the Dogs of War, there's the the bit where they're on the bridge of the rebuilt Defiant, and um, Bashir and O'Brien are reciting their their epic poetry and nog's like okay but how does that end though
0: you don't um, want to know
2: <laughs> yeah and the way it's it's shot almost it seems like in one take it's just really really cool um with all the characters sort of getting settled in and knowing that they're going on this mission that like obviously they obviously they need to win the war but they have no idea whether they even can um and then i love after i really like one of my favorite DS9 characters is Damar. So the whole evolution of yes! the character in that last arc, I was yes! sort of like, yes, I love you, Damar. You're the best. Yes. Or, an, or a jerk for most of the series. But man, those last like five episodes that he gets are like so good. Yes. Um, and Someone then... else
0: understands the Damar De- the De- the De- arc. Yes.
2: I'm rewatching DS9 with some friends right now and I keep telling them I have a crush on Damar, but he's only like barely been introduced and they're all like, what's wrong with you? Because um, they haven't seen it yet. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I promise it It makes sense. It, it makes gets sense. better.
0: It gets better. I promise. But,
2: but there's that that moment on the bridge. And then also after they do manage to take over um, Cardassian Central Command and it's um, Bashir and um, Garrick who are there. And Garrick's coming to terms with the fact that, you know, there's been essentially a genocide on his planet after his entire character goal was to be able to come home. And yet, like, his home will never be the same. And that's, like, really just, I think, Andrew Robinson's acting there is just really, really good. It gives this, like, excellent sort of resolution between, you know, everything Bashir has gone through in his character arc of being this plucky young doctor who's happy to practice frontier medicine. And now he's become this sort of interesting, really, war hero as well. And so... I don't know. It just it's it's such a good resolution to the entire series for all the reasons you guys have pointed out. And then those two things just really stick out to me. And then um, my mother would not allow me to not mention all, all good things from uh from TNG, because like that's <laughs> the reason I know Star Trek is because she like is obsessed with TNG. So as would and my mother and <laughs> sister, my mother
0: and sister would say the same thing.
2: So I do think like I think kind of, again, the book ending of it's interesting because for both Voyager and DS9, what we're sort of reflecting on is like how well the season finale or the series finale is really like wrap up everything. And then I think also having the bookend of um, encounter at Farpoint and all good things is an excellent way for TNG to go out. So um, it's also why I'm a little like apprehensive of some of the stuff with Picard where I'm like, I've enjoyed it, but also you did kind of end it well. So can it end anyway? It's a separate (laughs) rant.
0: And we, and we will be talking about that (laughs) later.
1: Oh, we definitely will. And and I'm glad you brought up all good things because I think so many people look at all good things as one of the best series finales. And I understand that, but at the same time it 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 wraps up the story of TNG, but it doesn't wrap it doesn't up have, the
2: like, like it, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't have the emotionality
1: yeah yeah and and i think it's really because it was written like knowing that they were going to go in and do movies afterwards so it's like yeah it 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 kind of is a bookend to tng but at the same time it doesn't really have the emotionality or the the feelings or like really a sense of being a finale than like the the other two that we mentioned do so
2: yeah, I would I would agree with that assessment. I also think um, not that TNG wasn't, like, building up sort of legacy Star Trek at that point, but, like, you know, for we're going to go with um, Will Wheaton's idea of legacy Star Trek. Um, it didn't truly exist then, because, you know, Voyager had gotten going at that point, DS9 had gotten going at that point, but it's like, you didn't really know how long those shows were going to last, and so it did seem like, perhaps, like, TV Star Trek would become movie Star Trek. You know, it's yeah, it's a different era, I guess, is what I would say. Um, so, yeah, I just think in retrospect, I think the the problem with All Good Things is, yeah, it didn't have the emotionality and you did kind of know they were thinking of like going into doing movies and that's like what it would become. But then also, I think because of what they've done with Picard, it does kind of undermine what All Good Things had as well. So it's a very tight episode. But yeah, it is just kind of like... Doesn't have the same oomph, but maybe they needed all good things to grow into the oomph of Endgame and like what we leave behind. Like maybe that was yeah. a necessary writing step.
1: And I, I would agree with that. But then also like, I feel like the series finale of Picard has that say, at, at least for me as a huge, someone who grew up with TNG, a huge TNG fan. The <laughs> series, as much as I have like up and down feelings about Picard as a whole, the series finale of Picard had that emotionality to it that yes. all good
2: things didn't. I totally and so agree So I with was that. really
1: happy with that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. That's. I'll wait till we get to new business, but that's also why I'm apprehensive of some new business.
0: <laughs> uh, so. So these are the voyages from Enterprise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We all know why that was not, that's not in the discussion as a good
0: series finale, right? It it is not.
1: We we all know that. Also, uh, TOS, which doesn't really have a series finale, but I think you have to mention or at least give an honorable mention to The Undiscovered Country, which was kind of like a oh, series yeah. finale for TOS.
2: Most
0: definitely. Most I think definitely. It, it,
1: it, uh, the, unders- the Undiscovered Country definitely has that emotionality that we were talking about in Endgame and what we leave behind. And so I think we could kind of consider that as a series finale for TOS, even though it is technically a movie.
2: Well, I'm wondering, do you guys know if at the time they went on the series break from season three, did they know they were getting canceled for TOS or did it happen like during the break?
1: I I don't think they don't knew know they were getting well canceled. Enough. I think it happened kind of suddenly, which is why there w- isn't really a, a good finale for it.
2: I mean, after Roddenberry kind of got booted, like it did take a turn anyway. So I'm not sure even if they'd known they would have been able to do something super cool. But yeah, at yeah. the same time, like, yeah, that kind of explains that. So, yeah, I, I agree. Undiscovered Country, we can just call that the series finale. <laughs> oh,
0: definitely. Most definitely.
2: <laughs> Sounds
1: like a plan.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh right. Let's jump in to new business. Uh, Heather thank you for reminding me of something so in this case miss kirby i will let you take the con
1: okay so i've worded this segment for new business in a very specific way and it is basically are you watching star trek prodigy on netflix because frankly my answer right now is still no (laughs)
0: Mm.
1: because i'm still mad at netflix (laughs) Okay, I'm not ready to restart my Netflix subscription. So I haven't watched Star Trek Prodigy on Netflix yet. And I am very sorry to everyone um, that I haven't done that. I love Star Trek Prodigy. I will go in eventually and restart my Netflix subscription and watch season one before season two airs, which I'm very happy for. And I'm glad Prodigy was saved by Netflix. But no, uh, Netflix really annoyed me. With their password sharing crackdown. And so I have not restarted my subscription yet. And I haven't been watching Prodigy. So what's everyone else's answer to that question? Are you watching Star Trek Prodigy on Netflix?
0: I will say the answer is yes. Uh, Because uh, I also have had various issues with Netflix. And I had not been subscribed to Netflix for about... Almost three years. Uh I canceled my Netflix subscription after the whole Dave Chappelle thing. And oh, yeah. I really had mm-hmm. I really hadn't been back with Netflix for a long time until as it turned out, Netflix started getting a whole bunch of different interesting looking shows all at once. Uh, And on top of that, I want to throw a shout-out to our friend Giraffe over at Strange New Pod, who clued me in uh, not just on Prodigy, but another show that I really liked called blue Eye Samurai. And I was watching that and Prodigy kind of at the same time, and next thing I know... Uh, something that I talked about way back when I was doing anime podcasts of some sort many moons ago. As it turns out, a lot of the anime that Netflix acquires is really catered toward my taste. A lot of the other anime streaming services don't really get a lot of the anime that I'm looking forward to. I, Netflix I does. That. Netflix does. And with prodigy which i've been watching pretty regularly and i don't know if you guys saw the story that after about a week or 10 days star trek prodigy was ranked in the top 10 of viewed shows on netflix so yeah trek trekkies are definitely coming out for it
2: um so i also have not uh, watched it on Netflix, not because um I will not at some point I'm waiting for season two to launch for me to restart my Netflix subscription because me too I me too. yeah basically I just don't have one right now the last time I watched Prodigy like the week that it got you know poofed um from uh Paramount Plus uh, I happen to be taking I think I sent you a screen cap of this actually um, but I happen to be taking a flight from um the US to Japan and it happened they, they had some partnership on Delta with um, Paramount that's and right. so it had all of Prodigy so that's the last time I watched it literally I was like oh this has gotten like completely just yanked from the internet this does not exist anywhere except on Delta International flights right that's now right. <laughs> so I watched like I think like seven episodes of it just restarted it so I'll do that again once, once season two comes out because I enjoy it but um, yeah that would have been back in like June maybe early July no, it was early July. Um, so, but yeah, I, I'm also just kind of mad at Netflix. What I do wonder is, um, in my day job, I work with, uh, middle schoolers sometimes. And, you know, the whole point of Prodigy was that it was Star Trek that would be accessible to like a middle grade kind of audience, which I don't think regular Star Trek isn't. And in fact, like, I think most of us probably, given our general ages, we're probably introduced to Star Trek by our parents sometime in like the middle grade period. Oh, yeah. um, and so to me, I've always sort of questioned like the necessity of it, but I like it. And so it's fine, I guess. <laughs> but I do know that just in terms of streaming services that people have, so many more people have Netflix and so many more kids are allowed to watch Netflix and just pick their own shows as opposed to other streaming services. yeah, And so I do kind of wonder if maybe, as much as I like having all of Star Trek in the same place, which was what Paramount Plus launched itself as, um, if perhaps Netflix might be a better home for it because it might find more of a a kid's audience. So, it's been my thought there.
0: I do think that's a great point, and I will say that when Prodigy was airing, I do distinctly remember seeing on more than one occasion that there would be... Parents who would say that their kids are watching Prodigy and they are really enjoying it. So, I definitely think that the precedent for a younger audience and Prodigy being a gateway show is definitely there. And I think, as you said, Jacques, this is a great platform for that because it has such a wide audience. And I know the Star Trek movies and some of the series were on Netflix off and on for a while over the years. So there's definitely some kind of awareness. Uh, I know I have been watching Prodigy recently just so I could get caught back up. That that was the main reason I, I wanted to watch because I wanted to catch up. Because, um, Heather, have we gotten an official date for season two?
1: Not yet, no.
0: Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I wanted to have it a little bit fresher in my memory in preparation for season two. And I will say, Heather, I am enjoying Prodigy more the second time around. I really am.
1: Uh but we still need to insert the Lucille Blue gift here.
0: the the answer is still no. Uh, for for the folks at home, uh, early on uh, in Star Trek Prodigy's first first airing, uh, I used the Arrested Development Lucille Bluth meme, uh, where I said I love all of the cast of, of Star Trek Prodigy, oh. and then immediately after I said I don't care for Pog. Okay, all right.
2: Um, <laughs> Have you revised that opinion?
0: Not really. Okay. <laughs> not really. I I don't actively That's dislike. I don't. Pog I don't anymore.
2: fully dislike them for kids' show characters. I'll say that. I, have to say I, if I can. Were. If they showed up on Voyager, I would be annoyed. I can tolerate. Um, him. I,
0: I do not but, actively dislike seeing Jango Uh-huh.
1: Okay. Well, and 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 I I do think you make a good point about Netflix being more open. children discovering the show because like, I did know a lot of people online who have kids, their shows they they watched Prodigy Season 1 when it came out. They enjoyed it but they were Trekkies themselves. You know? So they knew where to find it on Paramount Plus so they paid for Paramount Plus. They made sure their kids watched it. Netflix is more of a uh, general audience in which it would be easier for people who aren't Trekkies to find the show and watch it. So I, I agree with that. Netflix is a good fit for it. I'm just mad at Netflix <laughs> and I'm oh. not going <laughs> to restart my subscription until season two comes out. Probably.
0: Netflix has plenty of grievances. There are plenty of grievances with Netflix for sure. But it seems to be doing well, and Star Trek doing well is good for podcasts like ours. So here's hoping it keeps rolling. It's also uh, good I... for
2: just getting more track, which I'm pro yes. getting more track. Yes.
0: Always, completely. Uh, to a certain degree. To a certain degree. Which brings us to <laughs> upcoming business. <laughs> okay now there's really nothing quite like star trek movie rumors guys there's really nothing like it and we've had quite a few movie tidbits rumors news and notes uh since we last did an episode of the podcast heather uh Mm -hmm. where where should we start
1: uh, well, we should start on the fact that I don't believe any of these movies are actually going to happen unless, until they start filming, at least one of them. Okay. <laughs> until I Agreed. hear that they are filming, I don't believe any of these rumors are actually going to happen. But let's start with Picard, since we kind of talked about that earlier. And Patrick Stewart did an interview in which he stated that he was in the process of, Of writing a movie script for Picard.
0: Heather, do do you want to say it or should I?
1: I, I, how do I put this in the nicest possible way? Because I love Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart is a national treasure.
0: A global treasure.
1: A global treasure, yes. Um, But I don't like the idea of this movie. Uh, I feel like the end of season three of Picard was as close to perfect as it could have been, and it was a beautiful ending for all of these TNG characters. Do I think there's a space in the Star Trek universe to see some of them again? Yes. Yes, I do. But I feel like... We are at the point, at least with the crew of TNG, that we need to use these characters in order to move the universe forward. And I don't feel like Patrick Stewart writing a movie that is centered around Picard is beneficial to anyone except Patrick Stewart.
0: Yeah, Jacques? I, I will let you jump in on this one because I, I'm I'm going to compound on that point that Heather just said, but I'll let you go first.
2: Yeah, that's I have very similar feelings on it. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I love TNG. I actually um, I don't mind the idea of Star Trek Legacy. I think they should do movies for Star Trek Legacy, maybe not an ongoing TV series because I don't think it's really necessary because I don't think it really moves the universe forward enough. Um, but I'd be interested in seeing like captain seven and rafi and um sydney laforge and even um i don't remember picard jr um jack Jack crusher jack crusher Crusher. yes right he got he got other crusher's name right um yeah no like uh i'd I'd be interested in watching like a story about them because i think that was like an interesting dynamic that they left it off with um But at the same time... And then you could have other TNG characters floating through that if you really wanted to. At the same time, though, I agree. Something that is centered on Jean-Luc Picard, the character, I just don't need that anymore. Like, I think... I didn't need a whole lot after Picard Season 1, honestly. And I was very happy with Picard Season 3. My only difficulty is that I liked the supporting cast that had been built up for Picard. And I do feel like they kind of just whoopsied them away in the process of doing sort of tng season eight um yeah. which yep i liked it but i also just felt it was very different from what they had been doing um both the good and the bad that they had been doing so i don't know like i have mixed feelings there but i agree like i don't i don't know who this is for except maybe um you know just letting patrick stewart have fun which is great but people write books maybe maybe write a star trek book <laughs> that way it's like dubiously canon and you know I can ignore it.
1: I mean very honestly,
2: like, yeah, didn't I had, Shatner
1: at least wrote a couple Star Trek books. Like you right. Star Trek yeah. books. I I am all for that.
2: Yeah. Shatner did, and honestly, like, you know, Shatner is Shatner, and that's a whole can of <laughs> right worms. But uh it. Yeah, um they're not bad for what they are. So I'm, I'm sure Patrick Stewart could do better, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <That's>, um, um.
0: <laughs> you're you're saying you believe Patrick Stewart could do better. I'm not so sure anymore, because I hear that Patrick Stewart is potentially writing a script for a Picard movie, and my reaction was a lot closer to a hard no than probably anybody else i'm i feel like i'm always i'm gonna say just flat out no because we think about the picard series and it was no secret that patrick stewart had a hand in the creative direction of the first two seasons of picard it is also no secret that both seasons of picard were very very mixed in opinions and season three make of it what you will uh, the TNG season eight did receive a lot more positive feedback than the first two seasons of Picard and I think that a, a big part of that was Patrick Stewart wanting the Picard character arc to go in different directions and have different things going on that didn't quite work so when i hear that patrick stewart is writing a a whole movie script for picard given how disjointed in reaction the first two seasons of picard were yeah i'm i'm not on board i'm i'm really not on board
1: well, I, I mean, honestly, I'm pretty sure all three of us basically said a hard no. You were just the one that
2: were was less nice about it. Um, yeah, but... I think he should write books instead. I think he could write better books than Shatner. That was what I meant. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 understood where you were going with that. Um, I, I, I don't know, and I think we're not really gonna. It, it, There's all sorts of, I, I, I very honestly, I hate to speculate about what actually goes on behind the scenes on these shows, because I think there's a lot more that all of us as fans don't see and don't understand. So I don't want to put the fact that Picard got mixed reactions completely on Patrick Stewart. Um, I also feel like I'm not a huge fan of Terry Metalis's storytelling either. Uh, so, And Heather, everyone Heather, love that. So, Heather,
0: I think you and I are pretty much on the same page in relation to Star Trek Legacy. We're pretty much on the same page on that one.
1: Well, I hate the name Star Trek Legacy. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> me I hate too. The name.
0: Don't like um, it.
1: I love what they set up at the end of season three. And I would love to see a show that focuses on captain seven and first officer Rafi. Um, But I don't believe that Terry Metalis is the person that should be telling that story. I honestly, now that discovery is over, I think someone like Michelle paradise would be better fitting to tell
2: the story of two women leads. So I can go with that. I can kind of agree with that. Yeah. I also think like my gripe with both Picard season three slash TNG season eight um, and what I have observed of like, or what we do know of like the, the sort of inner workings of the production. It did seem like a lot of, it seems like Terry Metalis really likes a lot of like track fan service, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but I also think it can be limiting. If you get too self-referential difficult to do new and exciting things yeah. and so I would worry about that yeah um, which you know maybe that's me worrying for no reason maybe that's an unfair criticism I don't really know but that that was kind of the impression I got that that's also why season three got such a better reaction is that actually that had been what people were expecting the entire time yeah. and so they just kind of finally snapped into form but that's like a very particular thing, and not like necessarily going to be something that you can replicate for a completely new cast and new show. I don't know. So,
0: I pretty much feel the same way all all of you do. I think Michelle Paradise would be perfect; would be absolutely perfect because I love her direction of Star Trek very much. Um, I would not be upset if some of the people from Strange New Worlds were involved as well. But no, on Terry Metalis, like he he had his fun. Uh, we we got our TNG season eight, and and I think we're good. Ah, uh, but Jacques, you you brought up a point about something about fan service, which brings me to the Star Trek movie rumor that I wanted to talk about, and this one is a supposed movie in development. That will involve the director of Star Wars Andor. Hmm. I heard this one and I thought it was really interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, because the rumors that were going out were that it was supposed to be uh, developing for a time that is before, I believe it was before the TOS era, um, but after Enterprise which I thought was a very interesting time period. Well, and sorry, no, go ahead, Heather.
1: The, the way they worded it was 20 years before the original Kelvin movies.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Is technically
1: TOS era. <laughs> um, well, before the TOS era, but how exactly you want to do that with a, with the Kelvin verse, I don't know. But go ahead, keep going.
0: Uh, I thought it was interesting that this is supposedly with the director of Andor, Toby Haynes, who, to his credit, uh, created a series in an already existing universe that has, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, um, the other Star franchise is often <laughs> weighed down by the demands of its audience for as much fan service as possible. Yeah. And with the whole Star Trek legacy thing, that whole demand for fan service has me a little concerned. But in the case of Andor, there isn't like a ton of fan service in that if I'm not mistaken. And it also takes place in that universe, but it doesn't rely on the information we already know. So when I heard that it was a Star Trek film from the person behind Andor, I was a little bit more more interested, a little bit more intrigued. Um, Jacques, I'll ask you first, um, this possibility, again, rumor, nothing set in stone, um, of a Star Trek origin film uh, from the director of Andor. Oh, what did you think when you heard this?
2: Um I so my immediate thought was I really really like Michelle Yeoh and so I will I will watch things against my better judgment if they have Michelle Yeoh. So like I'm So probably, you've seen
0: Silverhawk?
2: Yes. Uh so I'm probably an easy sell on this one <laughs> just because of who's involved, but at the same time um I My immediate thought was that, like, I don't... I feel like it's got... Because it's Section 31, it's related to, like, a pretty deep cut within Discovery. Like, I am just sort of apprehensive, not because I don't think it can be pulled off, but because it does seem like you kind of need to know a whole lot about Star Trek going into it um, to really appreciate it. That said, um, I did enjoy Andor, and so... And I didn't feel like I... I'm not a... I am a fan of the Other Star franchise, I am not a really diehard fan of the other star franchise. So there are definitely things that I do not know about deep, like star Wars lore for sure. And so I think if I appreciated it from that perspective of like, I have seen many things, but not all things I'm not like really obsessing that much. Um, I feel like that is probably a good person to run something that is also a deep cut. Um, that being said, yeah, I just, I'm I'm still just kind of like, I would like to know a lot about Section 31. I'm very curious about Section 31, but also like, you're taking things that are, like I say, pretty, pretty involved, pretty, pretty deep cuts from both Discovery and DS9. And while Discovery does have like a lot of wide watcherships uh, and DS9 is, I feel like if people know it's hard to call it modern at this point considering it's all like 25 years old but if people know like a lot of star trek they probably have seen ds9 um i guess you could take weirder things but um yeah i don't know that's where i'm at with it (laughs) um
1: okay i i think we got our signals crossed here um because there's so many Star Trek movie rumors. But correct me if I'm wrong, David. I don't think the director of Andorra is the one doing the Section 31 movie.
0: Uh, correct. That is correct. Oh. Uh, this one is uh, a brand new idea. This is not the Section Wait, 31 what? movie. Oh, no, then I haven't
2: even heard that this is happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is fairly recent now. I think it's only about two weeks or so now. Uh, But, yeah, the director of Andor is apparently working in development with Paramount for a movie that is supposed to be uh, in the TOS era, but kind of, like Heather said, 20 years before the Kelvin movies. (laughs)
2: Okay, so is this supposed to be a completely new cast, like new
0: completely everything? Completely new, completely
1: new. Yes, from what the article said, there's nothing related to uh, oh, current. Yeah. Sorry, Star I'm Trek picking it up on my phone now. Whatsoever, like the new cast, new everything.
0: And, um, and that's kind of why I was intrigued by this one because it's not relying on things that have already existed in the franchise. It's it's. The idea of its building something of its own, kind of like what Andor did, but, and that that is to me that's interesting. That that has me interested.
1: But also from a Star Trek movie aspect, I'm not sure if that's going to work. I don't know if people go out to see it if there's nothing that they can relate to in that movie. Hmm, like that is a fair I, point. I, I, I get what you're saying, but at least when it comes to movies that are released in theaters to Star Trek, like I, I, I heard everything you were saying about the Section 31 movie. I love Michelle Yeoh as well. I am a defender of George <laughs> I think she's a fantastic I'm a character. As well. <laughs> um, and I am looking forward to that movie. That is actually supposed to be in production right now. So that right. is going to happen. Yes. Yes. and it's great and i i think that how they chose to do it was perfect to have like a movie that it's exclusive to paramount plus because that's also not something i i think people would go out to see it if it was in the theaters but um it, it's very much a spin-off of discovery which is right. exclusive to paramount plus so i i'm looking forward to that for sure the, the whole idea of the director of Andor doing a prequel to the Kelvin movies, I don't know how well that would work. I feel like for the general movie-going population, you need to have some sort of connection to the universe at large. And if it doesn't have at least some sort of tie to it, I don't know how marketable that's going to be to people. I mean, Um,
2: people do keep showing up to random MCU iterations, so yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. That's true, and everybody's everybody's trying to build their own universe.
2: Well, and the reason I bring up the MCU is like specifically because. I'm a giant American comics nerd and some of the times when they select characters to make movies about for the MCU, I am just sort of like, hey, this person hasn't been relevant in comics for like 25 years. What are you doing? Who's going to see this? And in many cases, it's worked out. So, you know, I think the quality has declined over the last batch for sure, but when they announced, say, Guardians of the Galaxy, I was very shocked that that took took off. So... I don't think it's impossible to have sort of a tenuous tie in and get people to a theater. But I I do think I, I definitely can see the point that it is like more of an uphill battle than if it would just be like, you know, Kelvin timeline part four, where you already have established actors in a cast that everybody likes and kind of knows what they're getting when they when they buy their tickets. Yeah.
0: Also, by all accounts, Calvin movie number four is still very much in development hell, and oh my nowhere gosh. close. Yeah, oh my that God. one's yeah. not close.
2: <laughs> They're gonna have to do like a time skip or something. Yeah.
0: It'll be Admiral. That's why Kirk. Kurt
1: got hairier and grayer over the past ten years.
0: <laughs> and then they'll just make him a ca- and then they'll just make him a captain again, just like the old movies.
2: I mean, that's that works. That works. Yeah. yeah. I do kind of if if they ever do end up getting that one out of development hell, I do kind of wonder what they're going to do with uh, Anton Yelchin as Chekhov. because that was that is a loss for that universe for for acting generally. He was very significant, fun. a significant yeah. loss. Definitely.
0: Okay, so I think we've cleared up the Star Trek movie rumors. I am mildly intrigued by one of them. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Section Thirty One movie. I kind of came around on Giorgio eventually, Heather. It, it took yeah. me a while, but I did. I did. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm keeping my Paramount Plus subscription for the time being. And Picard, I, I just feel like this was a good ending. We we can we can leave it be, can't we? Can't we yeah, leave this, Picard as it is? This is what they should is? do, though.
2: They should, they should let Patrick Stewart have his movie, but they should tell him that if he has it, it has to be directed by Quentin Tarantino, and that we <laughs> can merge Star Trek movies together, rivers And we together. finally
0: get the Tarantino <laughs> Star Trek movie that we've been hearing about for the last 10 years.
2: Yes, oh, yes, Lord. exactly. Because that's not going to be completely cursed. Ah.
0: <laughs> like... uh. Or it might be amazing. Who knows? Uh, okay. I think I think that covers just about everything. Heather, what do you say? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, Jacques, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know that you have an anime podcast in the works. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about it, and you can tell us about it if you like.
2: Yeah, so um, me and my very dear friend, Mox um, uh, decided to start an anime podcast. It's going to be called The Podcast at the End of the World. And fittingly, the first episode is on Shoujo Kakume Utena, or Revolutionary Girl Utuna. And um, we wanted to... We are both non-native Japanese speakers, but we're pretty okay. Um, and we also are very interested in um, Japanese politics, history, popular culture beyond anime, and... Um, Kind of the development process of a lot of our favorite shows. And so we wanted to go through and talk about um, a lot of the political and uh, literary references and theater references that are in Utana. And so I'm very excited for that to come out. You can look for it wherever podcasts are podcasted, but not for another week or so because we're getting all of our art and everything finalized. And our second episode, which will be hopefully out by the end of February, will be on Paradise Kiss, the Ayazawa. Um, manga and anime and um that one i'm also really excited for because i'm a fashion nerd and that's a big fashion manga so yeah that's where we're at
0: thank you so much jacques again for joining us uh heather heather uh tell the fine folks listening what you've got going on
1: well uh i just submitted our application to be a part of the strange new pod uh, podcast next podcast festival that's coming the end of march beginning of april mm-hmm. uh celebrating discovery which i know you're as big a fan of discovery as me and so i am super excited to participate in their podcast festival once again strange new pod is amazing and i love that they give us this platform to reach uh their larger audience as well as our small one and to talk about star trek so we're gonna have fun talking about discovery um what it means to us how it brought us into the star trek fandom online and social media and all sorts of fun stuff so yep
0: and that is something to look forward to as for me uh i have been pulled back into my my old hobby uh, me and the boys uh pd rave and drew uh we are doing the record breakers podcast again our little book club for music where we review an album at a time an episode at a time and my album is coming up next it is the 2023 album himla volume two from swedish progressive rock band moon safari so get ready to check that out wherever your podcast is can be aggregated uh also we are playing wwe 2k23 a very modded version uh where we are playing gm mode a la da party on up up down down i'm in last place uh, but <laughs> we're all having a lot of fun regardless so check those out when i plug them uh we call it gm mode and you can check those out at twitch.tv slash rebelli tv And, you know, follow me on the socials because we can talk about all of that stuff, too. Okay. Until next time, everybody. Thank you all for listening to the Promenade Merchants podcast. Heather, say the thing.
1: (laughs) Shut up. Tits out. And watch for the shoe.
0: I feel like I'm going to have to cosplay Luther. And and (laughs) we we have to do a thing in the future.
1: Well, not see I, I I'm thinking that you could be rock card juice board
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do love me some juice Yeah. good idea.